Red Bay is on the air on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to it. I'm Dirk Christensen. Here we go into a Thursday that is just, I don't know, play misty for me, right? Yeah. Everything, everywhere you look, there's got some sort of precipitation falling right now. Most of it the radar can't even see because it's just, it's just ucky. It's a pea soup kind of day. It really is, yep. It's not a great day for the NSAA district softball tournaments to start. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but Fields it's, could be a little gooey. Yeah. Do they even have them or are they going to push them back? Probably depends on the location. Yeah. Okay. Those are not the only fields that are a little gooey and probably <laughs> headed toward more that direction, as a matter of fact. It is. And uh, like it or not, guys are sitting still. And once they get going, that's the nice thing about modern technology. They'll be able to get in the fields and get done quick. Great, but it's the yeah. sitting idle that drives a lot of these folks crazy. Yeah. And I don't know if there's going to be enough dry on the weekend to, to get to where it needs to be. Nope. Look into them next week. Susan Littlefield on uh, our market inf- our uh, ag information, I should say. Well, we are going to have a little bit of markets coming up at 12 19. Dean Hefta will be joining us from Water Street Solutions. Uh, everybody's been a buzz about the confirmation hearing today in Washington, D.C. for Nebraska's own Greg Ibaugh. We'll have that hearing information coming up at 1245. And then at 117, Bryce is going to talk with James McDonald and UNL's grant that is going on. Also over the noon hour, Senator Roberts uh, grills the Director of Agriculture on APHIS during the hearing, and there's some help out there for beginning farmers. All right. They could use it. They could use it. By the way, just kind of circling back around to Greg Ibaugh, what a great guy. I mean, oh. could they have gotten a better pick for that? He is an absolutely amazing guy. You know, he got asked a question by a North Dakota senator about blackbirds and controlling them, and he just handled it very well, very professionally, and brought the whole conversation back around. and. Yep. Regained it. He's seen it just about all and can talk about all the rest. Makes us proud. Yep. And Jason Jorgensen is here with sports. Major League Baseball playoffs. A couple of games today in the American League Divisional Series. Kind of a wild, wild card game last night in the National League. Rockies had had that nice season. They see it come to an end. Hard to win a playoff game when you spot somebody a 6 nothing lead. That's what happened last night for the Rockies. They came back, made it interesting. They got as close as 8-7 to before the Diamondbacks finally pulled away. We will preview today's games. Also, we'll take a look back at the Husker volleyball team. Another win last night as they knocked off Michigan State. Of course, when this year started, we heard from Coach Cook about how young they were and inexperienced, and this was a work in progress. And I think they figured some things out. <laughs> about six weeks in, he's got them rolling. They've now won yeah. six straight matches against top 15 teams. Really quality programs that they're getting wins over. Absolutely, and they now have the lead in the Big Ten, so that's kind of a cool thing. So we'll touch on all that. Also, there's some Thursday night football in the NFL and some college football as well. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Jason. And Bob Brogan has business. U.S. stocks are climbing today, putting the S&P 500 index on track for its longest winning streak in four years. The U.S. House has passed a 4.1 trillion dollar budget plan Uh, Also, the U.S. Senate has confirmed Mr. Trump's pick to serve on the Federal Reserve. We also have some information about factory orders and the trade gap and Netflix. We don't talk about them very often. Netflix is raising the price for its most popular U.S. video streaming plan by 10%. That could affect, you know, how many people subscribe. As I recall, they tried that once before, didn't they? Yeah, I had to kind of back out of that. And that is all coming your way today on Midday. Let's get in some ag weather now. And holy smokes, Paul Persons, yeah. where did all this moisture come from? <laughs> well, it's going to keep coming our way. Yeah. <laughs> coming up from the south. 
More rain on the way. And we've got a little dry out for the weekend, but it just amounts to a little, doesn't it, before it's back to us. Yeah, exactly, especially this afternoon, tonight, and tomorrow. It's going to start to wind down tomorrow night across the area. Still some scattered showers and thunderstorms in eastern Nebraska into south-central Nebraska and northeast Kansas. So showers and thunderstorms in and around the Lincoln, Fremont, and Omaha area right now, moving off towards the northeast. Also some very scattered activity southeast of Grand Island, down to around Concordia to just north of Salina, over the last 24 hours, just to the northwest of Salina, they had reports of some rain of around three and a half inches of rain. Otherwise, their temperatures pretty much in the upper 50s to low 60s. It feels very tropical, thanks to all the moisture that continues to move up from the south, thanks to an area of low pressure off towards the west. Scattered showers expected to become more widespread as we head towards later today and tonight. As the warm front lifts to the north, we could see even some thunderstorms. Not expecting any severe weather for today, but that could change tomorrow. That front will stall, then start to move back to the southeast for tomorrow. With plenty of moisture available, rain and thunderstorms will remain likely tomorrow and tomorrow night. Once again, right here in central Nebraska, we're looking at the bulk of the rain falling tonight into tomorrow. There is a chance for some strong to severe storms along and south of this front tomorrow as it plows back to the southeast. Right now, it looks like the main threat for severe weather tomorrow southeast of a york to phyllisburg line most of the rain uh, could total up around one to three inches especially the farther east you go one to three inches likely for many locations the higher amounts the farther southeast you go and those highest totals look to be southeast of a geneva to osborne kansas line that's where we do have a flood watch in effect sunshine is going to be back over the weekend with near seasonal temperatures it's going to be a total flip hunter weather as we head towards saturday so ideal weather for the husker game the loper game and of course the harvest of harmony parade in grand ellen another chance of rain and then some much cooler air arrives for sunday and monday with the cold front that front uh, some frost is possible with this system in behind it for Tuesday and Wednesday morning, but it looks like mainly northwest of the Tri-Cities is where we could see those prospects for frost. And once again, that's Tuesday and Wednesday morning. In our long-term forecast, the temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas forecast to start out right away cooler than normal the middle part of next week. But then we see a quick rebound. Temperatures expected to warm to warmer than normal levels late next week through October 18th. That's going to help out in drying out the fields along with a good chance of below normal rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the 18th. So a lot of people probably starting to get uh, going real good next week with the harvest. The latest drought monitor released today then includes data through this last Tuesday. Nebraska nearly drought free. The exception, just some small pockets of abnormal dryness to moderate drought right around Valentine, the southwest panhandle, and the far southeast corner. Now much of central into northeast Kansas still experiencing abnormal dryness or moderate drought and that's in an area along and south of the line from Gove to Osborne and Marysville in northeast Kansas. Weather factors affecting the markets today include more rain disrupting the Midwest harvest and dry conditions for central Brazil in the Midwest. Some moderate to heavy rain is forecast through the weekend. Western Midwest producers already looking at a two-week delay in their harvest. The rain may improve the water levels, though, in the Mississippi and Ohio River for barge traffic where that has been a problem of late the southern plains expect more rain through the weekend that's going to delay their row crop harvest and also the winter wheat planting the delta and southeast they've seen some favorable harvest conditions of late that could change with the expectations of some tropical weather of rain and wind as we hit towards the weekend a drier pattern has set in over central brazil cropper areas 
That's going to help out with the soybean planting, but there are concerns continuing to grow over dryness in the next 8 to 14 days. Right now, it does not look like the rainy season has quite started in the southern hemisphere. Ag Weather with Paul Perkins brought to you by Kuhlman Repair. And uh, is this right? An inch 78 here at the Lexington studio? That's for the month here. That's the month so far. Yeah, so. so. I don't know what that yeah. means. But and I, I went and trying to get that off 100% <laughs> humidity and it won't come down. Yeah, and I went and trust our rain gauge uh, for the monthly total because it was kind of plugged up, we'll just say, with some <laughs> residue. <laughs> Of the neighborhood birds, we'll say. (laughs) Residue. I like that. Okay. Well, uh, when you need residue anytime. (laughs) You can get weather anytime at krvn.com. Now wait for the vote. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The Senate Ag Committee this morning heard testimony from Greg Ibaugh, the nominee to be the Undersecretary of Agriculture for Marketing and Regulatory Programs, and Bill Northey, the nominee to be Undersecretary for Agriculture for Farm and Foreign Agricultural Services. Both gentlemen stated their reasons as to why they want the positions, and now the Senate Ag Committee will vote and then send it on to the full Senate should they get the confirmation vote. Senate Ag Committee Chairman Pat Roberts of Kansas asked Greg Ibaugh, about APHIS. Foreign animal disease threats are a growing concern for producers and animal health experts. In recent years, outbreaks of disease such as avian influenza have demonstrated the vulnerability of animal agriculture to these threats. If confirmed, you'll be leading the department's animal and plant health inspection service, known as APHIS. Can you briefly describe some priorities you will pursue as undersecretary that relate to safeguarding animal agriculture and our national security as a result. Yes, thank you. Uh, APHIS is uh, perhaps maybe one of the most important roles that I will uh, serve in USDA because if we aren't able to keep diseases and pests that aren't in the United States out of the United States or control and contain the ones that we do have, uh, we put our nation's farmers, ranchers, and producers at great risk. So we will uh, you know, take that responsibility very seriously. I look forward to learning more about each and every program that addresses those concerns and issues and working with producers uh, to implement proper biosecurity across the board to be able to help produce, uh, protect and safeguard our nation's crops. A vote has yet to be set for the Senate Ag Committee. For young farmers and ranchers just getting started, it's the tough part. Bruce Gorder has more. There are several programs to help young farmers and ranchers get started, but they are either unaware of those programs or the program itself is in jeopardy of being dropped. Cora Fox of the Center for Rural Affairs talks about one of those programs. For example, right now there's a program called the Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program, BFRDP. Um, It's been coming up a lot lately um, in some of the work that we've been doing. This program provides education, mentoring, and technical assistance for beginning farmers and ranchers. In Iowa, the Practical Farmers of Iowa has a program called the Savings Incentives Program. It's funded from BFRDP. And this has been in the Farm Bill, but it's at risk for being cut right now. And many of these programs are at risk. And so it's just important that our representatives know that our beginning farmers and ranchers need these programs to be successful in farming. Fox recommends all those interested in helping young folks getting started in agriculture call their congressmen and senators to advocate for the programs. I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network.
U.S. beef industry is set to bring back its 25-year-old tagline, Beef, It's What's for Dinner. It's a marketing campaign aimed at the millennials that have childhood memories of the slogan and want to know more about their food. The social media campaign from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association combines nostalgic elements, such as the tagline and the narration that alludes to the old McDonald had a farm nursery rhyme and more modern storyline about how beef farmers and ranchers are using technology. In an online-only ad created by WPP-owned agency VML, a rancher uses a drone and an app to track his herd. As ranch tools have changed, the narrator says, as a camera sweeps across the cattle ranch. That's a look at your agricultural news. Find out more at RuralRadio.com. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for a check of sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the fourth-ranked Nebraska volleyball team continued its impressive run through the beginning of Big Ten action with a four-set victory over 14th-ranked Michigan State last night. With that victory, the Huskers took over sole possession of first place in the Big Ten standings. They are 5-0 and in conference action, 12-3 and overall, and head coach John Cook breaks down this victory. We didn't let their serving take over the match. In fact, I think they had zero aces, and... So um, uh, really pleased with that, and you know I think we got a little too comfortable in Game Three and missed some plays at the end there to to win that. But another great response in Game Four. And you won their sixth match in a row and their sixth straight match against a top fifteen opponent, matching the most consecutive wins by ANU against top fifteen teams in a season since two thousand six. This weekend, the Huskers take on Iowa. Red Sox lefty Chris Sale makes his first postseason appearance when he starts against Astros righty Justin Verlander in Game 1 of the AL Divisional Series this afternoon. Sale led the majors with 308 strikeouts while going 17-8 with a 2.90 ERA for Boston. Verlander excelled after being traded from Detroit to Houston, winning all five starts for his new team with an ERA just over one. The other ALDS series that starts tonight has the Yankees visiting Cleveland. Inspirited reliever Archie Bradley hit a stunning triple in the seventh inning to drive in two runs with one of four three-baggers by Arizona. That sent the Diamondbacks past the Rockies 11-8 in that wild National League wildcard game. Arizona advances on to the best-of-five divisional series against NL West champion L.A., a team the Diamondbacks beat the last six times they played. Game one is set for tomorrow night in L.A. In the NFL tonight, it's Tampa Bay against the New England Patriots. The Patriots enter this matchup searching for answers on defense, and they're trying to avoid falling below 500 beyond the second week of the season for the first time since 2012. They are allowing a league-worst 456 yards per game while yielding as many points as the defending champs have scored. And Michigan has agreed to a contract extension with longtime softball coach Carol Hutchins, through the 2022 season, Hutchins is the winningest coach in NCAA softball history with a career mark of 1,527 wins and 491 losses. She is also the winningest coach in the history of Michigan athletics. And speaking of softball, district softball tournaments are on tap today across the state of Nebraska in classes A, B, and C. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. a flood watch in parts of central and southeast Nebraska this afternoon through Friday night. 
Tonight's forecast in Nebraska, patchy fog across the state and thunderstorms or rain showers across most areas. Some thunderstorms could produce heavy rainfall. I'm Dave Schroeder. A prosecutor says he won't file any charges connected with the death of a country singer after a crash at the Thayer County Fairgrounds in Deschler. Thayer County attorney Daniel Werner said the death of Abby Euchre was accidental. She also was known by her stage name, Abby Nicole. Authorities say the 25-year-old died at a hospital after she was found at the fairgrounds July 23rd following an accident involving a utility vehicle. She'd performed with her band the day before after races at the fairgrounds Thayer County Speedway. Werner says a vehicle driver had been drinking prior to the accident, but it stopped well beforehand. Werner says investigators don't have an accurate measurement of the driver's blood alcohol content when the crash occurred. The Senate Ag Committee held a hearing today to consider the nomination of Greg Ibaugh to be Undersecretary of Agriculture for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. Ibaugh spoke about what he will do if nominated. Each day my decisions will be tempered by two principles. How will regulatory programs and promotional activities improve the opportunities not only for my neighbors in Sumner, but also Americans across the country? I recognize the weighty responsibility to maintain consumer confidence in the products produced and the production methods implemented. Ibaugh has served as Nebraska Ag Director for 12 years. The committee is also considering the nomination of William Northey of Iowa to be Undersecretary of Agriculture for Farm and Foreign Agricultural Services. The Kansas Department of Education will use a $27 million federal grant to support literacy programs in Kansas' schools. The three-year grant from the U.S. Department of Education is one of the largest grants ever received by the agency. It will support literacy programs for students from birth through 12th grade, focusing on English learners and students with disabilities. Americans may have been unwittingly helping North Korea get cash as it develops its nuclear weapons programs by buying seafood processed by North Korean workers in China. An AP investigation has found that American companies, including Walmart and Aldi, have exported seafood from Chinese companies that employ North Koreans. The U.S. companies now promise to examine their supply chains and crack down on forced labor. The North Korean government takes up to 70% of the workers' salaries. Trusted charities are accepting donations for hurricane disaster relief. Do your part using our links at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. The nomination hearing for Greg Ibaugh has wrapped up in Washington, D.C. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. This morning, Greg Ibaugh sat before the Senate Ag Committee talking about his desires to be the Undersecretary for Agriculture for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. Speaking ahead of Greg was U.S. Senator Ben Sass. Greg built and maintained stakeholder relationships and initiated strategies to promote Nebraska Ag both domestically and internationally, allowing us to become the breadbasket of the world. 
Greg will bring a personal vigor to the USDA as he analyzes issues, develops strategies, and creates solutions uh, for many of these global initiatives. Greg is a proven public service record that's defined by executing innovative strategies and consensus among broad and diversified and often competing uh, constituencies and stakeholders. Greg has empowered the employees that have worked with and for him at the Nebraska Department of Agriculture to achieve the shared visionary goals that you've heard Secretary Purdue lay out before this committee uh, for the U.S. Department of Ag, both to promote more economic opportunity and to help rural America thrive. In addressing the Senate Ag Committee, Greg Eibaugh humbly talked about his background, his roots in agriculture, and then what he's done since becoming Nebraska's Director of Agriculture. I have approached my tenure at the department with service to Nebraska's nearly 50,000 family farm and ranch families in mind. I believe my status as an active producer has been essential to my role within the department. That said, however, I also recognize and have an appreciation for the structure of government and its role in protecting and serving all citizens. The MRP missionary is comprised of many programs focused on improving market competitiveness for the overall benefit of consumers and producers of American agriculture. If honored to receive your confirmation, I will work faithfully to implement the authorities outlined by Congress. Balancing two priorities, the first representing and promoting the interests of farmers and ranchers, and the second overseeing entities that regulate them can be a difficult task. However, the word balance is key to that equation. By maintaining balance, MRP can achieve Secretary, Purdue, Secretary Purdue's department-wide goals of supporting job creation, prioritizing customer service, and ensuring our customers access to a safe and secure food supply. I am also committed to promoting the market opportunities and protecting the integrity associated with the organic seal while maintaining and preserving and protecting our natural resources. I am also keenly aware of my responsibility to maintain plant and animal health and well-being as well. Each day my decisions will be tempered by two principles. How will regulatory programs and promotional activities improve the opportunities not only for my neighbors in Sumner, but also Americans across the country? I recognize the weighty responsibility to maintain consumer confidence in the products produced and the production methods implemented. If confirmed, I pledge to be available to listen to you other members of Congress, and the many diverse voices of agriculture who will have ideas and input for the programs under my supervision. Thank you again for your attention and consideration of my nomination. I will be humbled to serve if confirmed and would look forward to working together to serve American agriculture. During the questioning part of the hearing, Senator John Hoven of North Dakota brought up the increase of blackbirds in North Dakota and asked Greg Ibaugh what he would do about it in regards to APHIS. We also in Nebraska have seen um, high populations of blackbirds as well, so I understand exactly what you're talking about from my experiences uh, a farmer and rancher and director in the Department of Agriculture in Nebraska. But speaking more broadly about looking for solutions to interface with wildlife, uh, to, uh, you know, 
of course, be able to preserve and protect them when appropriate, but also being able to look out for the needs of our farmers and ranchers that face uh, the the greater possibility of a disease coming into their operations, as well as the damage that wildlife can uh, uh, wreak on uh, uh, livestock as well as crops. We would need to look at a balanced approach. I used the word <coughs> balance in my opening comments and I would look forward to working together with producer groups and organizations to find solutions that can have broad support. Well, I'm an avid hunter, and and, and uh, I like to fish, although my wife's a much better fisher person than I am. Last time we went fishing, my wife caught the bigger fish. Yeah, too, she's so a lot better. It's a bad deal. Um, but farmer-friendly policies actually work for sportsmen. That's mm. right. You follow me? That's right. Because the farmers and ranchers are out there every single day. Okay. Yeah, I understand that, and I've you know over the course of the last few years across many states, we've seen uh, the. The conservation programs that farmers are participating in on a voluntary basis have increased wildlife, uh, not only in Nebraska, but in many states. Comments from this morning's confirmation hearing of Greg Ibach. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dewey Nelson as we talk with Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. In the grain markets, maybe the traders are starting to focus on a wet harvest condition, aren't they? Yeah, certainly in a lot of Minnesota, Iowa, into Nebraska, harvest has come to a standstill, even though it was a slow start, and uh, that's going to slow progress down. We're already behind in much of the western Corn Belt, and that's going to add to that slow going. Now, some pretty good yields out there in a lot of places, but the trend for the year continues to be better than I thought it could be, but for most people in a lot of areas, not quite what it was last year. And that really falls in line with what the USDA has told us. Well, much of the strength in soybeans probably comes from soybean meal as well. Yeah, meal, which is important to see, uh, continues to uh, to lead the way in our, in our rallies here. And it's been really strong today. And the question will be, um, you know, is China going to continue to come in and be this solid buyer? Uh, they've been on some holiday Exports were on the lower end of expectations today, but in general, they've been really solid. Uh, now, South America has been some of the question on the production side, but they've got some rains. That's going to get Brazil going. But I don't think they're out of the woods yet, so be watching over the next several weeks how the weather develops in Brazil. Well, with this short-term rally, I'm wondering if it's going to be hard to sustain one. Well, in soybeans, if you look at the charts... Uh, we got up above th uh, 980 that one day uh, last week and uh, just couldn't stay up there. And we're going to have to see some follow-through above that 980 area here on strength. And uh, if we can do that, I think you can start looking for the more of that 10, 1020 area. But for now, it's just been bumping its head at this 200-day moving average for days and days and days. We continue to trade in a very low or narrow range, rather, for corn. Uh, it's, I guess, anybody's guess how we can break out of this. Yeah, certainly. The, you know, and we've seen in the past that while it doesn't make sense, you can rally through harvest. And we're into the harvest uh, price setting period now for insurance. And it's going to be hard for funds to say, oh, let's take it another round lower. Now, areas that are seeing better yields, you're getting some 
immediate harvest pressure here. But in general, the farmer, for good reason, is really reluctant to sell. And basis in many areas has been terrible. So there's really not been a bright spot or much eagerness to unload ownership at these levels. Another detriment maybe to moving some exports might be the higher dollar today. Yeah, the dollar has been working higher. Um, however, we would we haven't necessarily seen a perfect correlation between the dollar movement and commodity movement. Uh, I think from a macro standpoint, the overarching thing is you're seeing more interest in owning commodities in general uh, on some you know better feelings around global economy, and that's been a growing open interest thing in commodities. So hopefully that spills over and just brings some more interest into the grain and livestock complex. Thanks for the comments, Dean. You can go to waterstreet.org or call Water Street Solutions at 866-249-2528. Another plus maybe for grain markets might be the rally in crude oil, where we're over $50.70 a barrel at the present time. And the dollar index, as we mentioned, was up almost half a point to 93.75. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. For a review of the livestock futures trade, we turn our attention to Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, pretty good day for uh, livestock futures. Uh, going to close uh, mostly higher. Uh, in the cattle, uh, we've got some triple-digit gains in the live cattle, and uh, obviously some uh, triple-digit gains in the uh, feeder cattle. So, uh, pretty good day. Now, uh, cutouts were just a little bit higher at uh, noon, and that uh, kind of helped uh, influence the uh, uh, cattle. The uh, corn market uh, dipped there at one point. That started the uh, feeders to move a little bit higher. And then the, after uh, after that, there wasn't didn't appear to be too much that would stop it. So uh, pretty strong day, uh, pretty, pretty good finish. Now, I haven't heard of any uh, cattle sales so far of any consequence, but uh, it sure sets the tone uh, in the uh, market. Over in the hogs, cash a little bit higher. Cutouts uh, uh, basically just a tad higher. That uh, helped to bolster the uh, nearby futures. We did finish mixed uh, with uh, some of the deferred contracts uh, still closing lower, but uh, a pretty good day all the way around for uh, livestock futures, uh, setting up uh, for a fairly uh, decent uh, week. Thanks, Joe. You can contact Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. That's 800-328-0134. Total cattle slaughter through the first four days has been estimated at 459,000. That'd be 13,000 less than last week, 9,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter, 1,828,000, 12,000 less than last week, but 71,000 more than a year ago. Dewey Nelson reporting. A new Nebraska project aims to improve land use efficiency. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit. A University of Nebraska-Lincoln research team will investigate how to improve land use efficiency through the integration of livestock and crop production systems. The project is funded by a $1 million grant from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research and has matching dollars from the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. James McDonald, Associate Professor of Animal Science and Ruminant Nutrition, joins me now to discuss more about the project. Dr. McDonald, first give us a little more background information about this project. You know, the, back, the background for what we're trying to accomplish is really driven by um, expected population growth and corresponding 
um, expected food demands, and then expected demands on land area to produce that food. Um, and so as we as we look at those things, um, where do cow-calf production systems fit into uh, more intensive cropping systems is really the question. Um, so this grant is, is part of a larger beef initiative um, that, that the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources here at UNL set forth that really looks at the, um, the space combining cattle, uh, land, and then the people associated with, with running those operations. So it, that includes cropping systems, um, but that also in, includes improved pastures and, and rangeland. And so there's a component of this that's going to take place in western Nebraska. Um, that includes looking at impacts of these systems on soils, air, uh, and water. And on the people side, you know, we're interested in what impacts there are on their net returns of changing these systems, um, the information that they need, and then any barriers that they have uh, to adopting these alternative production systems. Um, so this is a this is not just me. Uh, this is a large group collaboration uh, that includes expertise in animal science, agronomy, and forage management, and cropping systems, agricultural economics. So it's it's a significant. Oh, well, and then air quality. I can't forget them as well. A significant core group of of researchers and extension personnel. Who does this project aim to benefit? For sure, we're interested in providing opportunities or or you know, showing young people, giving them examples of how they can enter into the industry. It's often discussed that the average age of, you know, the producer in agriculture is, is increasing and, and there's at least a perceived shortage of talent who wants to come back into agriculture. I teach it in the university system and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of students who want to enter into production agriculture, but the investment that it requires to get started from scratch is a barrier that simply, you know, they can't overcome. Now, there's other ways for them to get into production agriculture. Usually that means working for somebody else for at least a period of time. But this is another opportunity to for somebody, um, and maybe that's a son or daughter, or maybe it's someone who's unrelated to the person who owns the farm, but an opportunity to them, for them to add an enterprise to an existing farm. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Nebraska's in a unique position. Um, I've worked from I grew up in North Dakota and worked in Texas, and so I know the Central Great Plains pretty well. And you think about the resources that Nebraska has, we're uniquely positioned to be leaders in beef cattle production. And so this is pretty exciting to uh, to get some outside funding to be able to move that thought forward. To learn more about the grant from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, you can visit ruralradio.com. Reporting from the Nebraska Innovation Campus Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska, I'm Bryce Duskett. Grain markets were mixed today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we have with us John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We'll start with soybeans. When it made that rally today, what were some of the factors? Well, I think the delays that you guys are all seeing out there is a part of it. Some expectations that China's going to come back with some very good demand a week from now and the reports today showing continued buying. So uh, from the soybean side, 
I'd imagine we're maybe 50% complete at this point. That might be a stretch given how slow y'all are moving out west. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks think that's when the bottom would come in. Right around halfway through harvest, you're going to start to see a lot of these bushels dry up uh, as far as the sales go, and, and they'll go in the bin or, or go to the market. And at this point, the market seems very willing to buy. Uh, I still think we're going to have to get through this USDA airport, and I wouldn't be shocked to see one more sharp move lower, uh, just kind of put some temp fade into bulls, but uh, I would be a buyer of any breaks here. Uh, if you are selling beans, I would look to try to reown something down the curve, March, May, or July, um, you know, some option spreads or something like that that would give you uh, the carry. And I think that's the key here with corn, beans, and certainly wheat to a certain extent. It's not so much direction as your enemy as far as reowning. I think we'll see prices go higher. It's the carry costs that are going to be involved to hold it. And, you know, we could trade sideways like we did a year ago, and, you know, the, the the guys who are trading sideways on the spec side really aren't losing a ton of money, but if you're you're holding on to that physical, you are uh, you're losing that carry cost, and, and that's that's that can add up over time if you ask, see guys who've traded wheat over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, next week's report might give you some opportunities to reown if you have been a seller here. You have a few days to do that because it's a week away. The corn market's still languishing in a very narrow trading range, John. Yeah, I think your phone call woke me up. It's uh, it's been so slow here. Uh, just three fifty. Uh, you know, it's a magnet to that price. I'd like to think that someday we'll wake up. But again, this this report next Thursday, will, I think, put a little bit of a low in in regards to carry out expectations and uh, price action that'll result from that. I don't think we'll see the carry out grow anymore after that, and then it'll be about demand and uh, you know South American production. And I think that can only help price in the shorter run, um, given that. Uh, weather is dry in Brazil, and I, I think planning late, uh, planning delays in Argentina will, will also support. So that's also something you have to kind of keep in mind here. We get these bean rallies. It could be something that's you know half a world away, so to speak, uh, that's pushing price. And that's a little bit of a scary place to be as a U.S. producer uh, with your fate depending on weather uh, in a place that's 2,000 miles away. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Check it out at danielsagmarketing.com. And in the wheat trade, winter wheat futures a little lower. Spring wheat futures rallied somewhat today. Dewey Nelson reporting.